If it's Friday, this must be Joppa. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. This tour started in the book of Hebrews. We were talking about Melchizedek, Hebrews 7, which took us to Genesis. And at that point, Jim broke away from the main tour and ended up in Joppa on the roof with Peter in the book of Acts. The connection is Gentiles. Melchizedek was not Jewish, and Joppa is a place where God launched ministries to Gentiles in both Testaments. His love covers the whole world. Here's Jim. Peter, don't you call common what I call good. What was he saying? Well, Peter was pondering that. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. God's very clear. You told us that we're not to eat these unclean animals and that that's one of the ways we're distinguished from and separated from the Gentiles. They have no kosher. They have no this, 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 this. this. I'm, I'm a good kosher boy. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a good Jewish boy. I've always done it. What's, what's this business about? I'm now supposed to defy all those rules and get up and slay and eat unclean animals. What's the point? And then you say that I'm not to renounce or disqualify what you call clean. I don't get the point. The Spirit of God said, Peter, in just a few minutes, there's going to be a knock at the door. There's going to be some people down there wanting you to go with them. You know the story? Go with them. Ask no questions. Sure enough, knock, knock, knock. Peter says, I am he. Come with us. And they go up to Caesarea to meet whom? Cornelius. A centurion who was in the Roman army, Gentile, non-Jew. And what did Cornelius say to Peter? Peter, in my daily devotions, as I seek God and lift my heart to God in prayer, an angel stood by me and said, go down to Joppa and call for somebody by the name of Peter, and he'll come tell you what you need to do to be right with me. So I sent, you come, tell us what must we do as Gentiles. And Peter began to explain how Jesus came and how he lived and how he died and how he rose and went back to heaven. And about this time, Peter had to stop preaching because a revival broke out. These Gentiles began to speak with tongues like they did at Pentecost up there at the temple in Jerusalem when Peter preached that first sermon. And Peter's astonished. He said, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. You, can, you can't do that. And then he remembered what God said. Don't you call unclean what I call clean. Don't you forget, Peter, my purpose in all that I have done for the Jewish people and through the Jewish people is to reach all nations of the world. So both in Jonah and in Peter, we get this message from God, clear and distinctive. God doesn't hate the Gentiles. God's not indifferent to the Gentiles. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son for the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but everlasting life. Oh, so what's that got to do with Melchizedek, Jim? Not much. <laughs> but something that's very important, Melchizedek was not a Jew. 
And yet when we meet Melchizedek, he is clearly a God worshiper. Turn back in Genesis, please. Genesis, all the way back to chapter 14. And look at the account. When Abraham has rescued Lot from the invading armies, and Abraham is bringing Lot and all those people that he's rescued from those invading armies all the way back down to home, down to Sodom, Gomorrah, and their hometowns, somebody interrupts that journey south from up north of Damascus where Abraham fought that battle. Look at it. We read in chapter 14 of Genesis, verse 17, after Abraham returned from defeating, whatever that name is, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at a certain place. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, not Sodom, of, of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest to God most high. Whoa. How did he learn that? Where did he get that? Where did that come from? Keep going. He blessed Abraham and said, Abram is blessed by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. He gave praise to the God most high who has handed over your enemies to you. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. That's it. That's all we have. Subject then focuses on the king of Sodom and the exchange of his citizens and what Abraham did to treat that. That's all we have. But it is stunning. Absolutely stunning. Abraham is wandering through the land of Canaan. The Canaanites lived there, the Amorites, the Amalekites. All those people who were known for their pagan idolatry lived there. And as he returns from this incredible battle that he won, this man comes out from Salem. He's the king of Salem. And he pronounces this blessing upon Abraham, acknowledges that Abraham is the bearer of God's promise, that there's a great future for Abraham and his descendants, encourages Abraham to give God thanks for handing over your enemies to you. And Abraham responds by taking the top 10% of all the spoil and giving it to Melchizedek, period. Now listen, that's a Gentile. He never went to the, he never went to the, to the tabernacle. Tabernacle had even been built yet. Matter of fact, it's about 400 plus years from this moment before God meets Moses and the people coming out of Egypt at Mount Sinai. That's, that's 400, 500 years yet in the future. And then here's Melchizedek who blesses Abraham in the name of the Most High God. And Abraham responds acknowledging that blessing and responding by giving to Melchizedek the top 10% of all the spoils of war. He's a Gentile. Oh, and while you're pondering that, 
Job was not a Jew. He also was a Gentile. And you'll find some other interesting people even back there in the life of Abraham, 2,000 years before Jesus came, you'll find some interesting people back there who demonstrate a knowledge of God, a respect and worship of God. It's incredible. How can this be? Well, let me give you the hillbilly explanation. Noah came through the flood. When he came out of the ark, it was just him, Mrs. Noah, their three sons, their three wives. That's it, eight, eight people. But Noah knew God. And Noah also was a Gentile. He existed before there was a Jewish nation. He existed before, lived before Abraham lived. Noah lived, what, 350 years on this side of the flood. And Noah was able to obviously speak the truth, preach the truth, answer people's questions. People could come to Noah. He was probably there at the base of Mount Ararat, somewhere in that immediate community, at the fountain from which all histories point us as the axis and the beginning of all civilization. He probably lived in that area, and people would come to him, and he could say, well, yeah, that's how it was before the flood. Oh, yeah, I remember. The Garden of Eden, yeah, it was, um, can't find it here. The typology's changed tremendously, but, uh, but yeah, that was, that was a real deal. Yeah. Did I know Adam? No, but my father did. Your father spoke to Adam? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they had, they had a couple hundred years their lives overlapped. Noah, your father? Uh-huh, yeah. See, Noah was truly in the know. He had been there. And he carried with him a body of information and knowledge that would have been first-hand experience, one generation at the most removed, from everything that had taken place from the creation of Adam and Eve, all the way over to the death of Noah, 350 years after the flood. What happened? Generations of people listened to Noah believed that the God who caused the flood was the true God, the creator God, worshipped him and sought to honor him in their lives. I think we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven how many of those people are going to be in heaven. Why? Because Noah knew the gospel out of his own experience. You didn't have to argue with Noah about how you're saved. Noah walked with God. His was his, his father's father, his father was it? One of them, Enoch, walked with God and God took him. Noah, his father, his father's father, and his father's father's father were all preachers, prophets. They knew the truth. They knew God. And that didn't die in the flood. I hope God made a video of all these things. I, I'm anxious to get there to his uh, learning center and unpack some of those videos and, and see. But I tell you, you're going to be stunned at how many people are going to be in heaven that you're not going to expect to be there. And by the way, that continues all the way down through the history of the Old Testament. During the years from Abraham, 2000 B.C., all the way down to Jesus, 
and from Jesus all the way down to our day. God has been doing a work in people's hearts and lives. Didn't make the press. There it is. Melchizedek was one of those guys. He knew God, worshiped God. And the text tells us that he was a high priest. He was the head of a religious system where there would have been sacrifices made because Abraham did sacrifices and Noah did sacrifices. So these people knew God. As a matter of fact, we're told in Romans chapter 1 that since the beginning of the creation, all men everywhere are responsible for knowing God. You know that. Read it when you go home. Men refuse to accord to God who they know is there. The dignity, the honor, the praise, the worship, the obedience that he has deserved. And so they deviate into all kinds of bad, 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 bad stuff. But God, to quote, to quote <laughs> Gloria Gaither, God has always had a people. Always had a people. And Abraham wasn't the only born-again person living in his generation. That's the point I'm making. And reaching back into that history, the author of Hebrews picks up the quotation God gives us in Psalm 110 and says, Melchizedek, we just read it, resembled the Son of God. There are parallels in what we know about Melchizedek and what we know about Jesus. There are parallels between what Melchizedek was doing there at Salem and what Jesus is doing up in heaven and what was reflected in what the high priest did in the tabernacle and in the wilderness and in the temple in Jerusalem. Isn't that amazing? God has always had a people. We're going to be stunned, absolutely stunned, when we all get to heaven and we see the manifold grace of God bringing salvation to others. We'll pick up there next week. Oh, I know you just hate to quit. I know it's just, it's just terrible, terrible, terrible. Let me let me let me give you a, just a glimpse of where we're going next week. Okay, do it quickly. All these titles from the name he is called here. He, he's called. He's the King of Righteousness. He's the King of Peace. Righteousness. Melchizedek was not a pagan. Melchizedek was a righteous man. He not only did right things, but he was accorded righteousness by God, and his sacrifices that he performed as a high priest were acceptable to God. He is also called king of peace. Peace and righteousness always go together. That's why love and mercy are always found in balance in God. And peace and righteousness are found in Melchizedek. As a matter of fact, when his parents named him Melchizedek, his name means those two things, righteousness and peace. The city that he ruled over as king was a city of peace. Some think that the city he ruled over is the same place where Jerusalem is today. Don't know that for sure, 
could be, has the same name, Jaru Salem. Jaru Salem. Salem means peace, city of peace. Interesting. Notice also, we're told that he is without father, mother, or genealogy. That doesn't mean that he was, <laughs> that he just appeared. No, it means that there's no genealogy. We don't know his father's name, his mother's name. We don't know any of that. None of that is given to us, and it's not important for the writer's purpose. Because the point the writer is going to make is that the priesthood of Melchizedek did not rest upon human lineage. But when you come to the Jewish temple system, it controlled it. You couldn't be a priest at the temple in Jerusalem unless you were a descendant of whom? Levi and Aaron. <laughs> Levi is the tribe. Aaron was the one. The on, only, only descendants of Aaron could be high priests. Interesting. So they, they're like me. See, I, I got my culture by being born in West Virginia. Just came natural. <laughs> came with the birth thing. Well, that's not true for Melchizedek. Melchizedek's relationship with God came from something other than lineage from his personal relationship with God. And we're also told he has neither beginning of days nor end of life. We don't know his age. We don't know if he's married. We don't know how long he lived. We don't know when he came to know God. Just, we don't know any of those things. Those details are not mentioned in Scripture. It does not mean that he didn't have those things because we're told in a couple of verses later, I'll show you next week, but one of the verses talks about his, his background, his lineage. He has neither beginning of days nor end of life. So. Melchizedek simply appears in the record of God's revelation to us. He appears at a time when he meets Abraham after Abraham has received the promise of God. And he, Melchizedek, recognizes that promise, blesses Abraham, and he's going to make the point, Melchizedek is the greater, Abraham is the lesser in terms of authority in that exchange. And that's why Abraham paid him tithes. Abraham recognized the authenticity of his priesthood. And he becomes, he becomes the type or the symbol or the representative of a different kind of priesthood than the one that Levi and Aaron inherited when the law was established at Mount Sinai. Okay, gonna get fun. Dear Father in heaven, thank you that you are faithful. There's no one in the world, no one in the world who can ever stand before you and say, I didn't know there was a God, no one. Your word tells us that to be true. And there are many, many people who heard and met you in faith and humility as sinners and trusted you for salvation. They believed your promises. They responded to your revelation to them. And in doing so, in doing so, they were accorded righteousness, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted him for righteousness. 
Melchizedek must have known you because he knew exactly who Abraham was. He knew about the promise. He knew about the implications of that promise. Wow. Thank you for Melchizedek. And thank you for the things that his encounter with Abraham illustrate for us about the excellencies that are true of our high priest, Jesus, and his eternal priesthood on our behalf. Though we are Gentiles, we are not forsaken, forgotten, ignored. Thank you. Help us to witness boldly, courageously, and to know that you really got this all worked out pretty good, Father. And that we are secure in the hope and confidence we have in our personal experience of salvation because Jesus has crossed the tape. He's finished the race. He's already home. And his being there is a sure guarantee that we who know him and trust him will arrive there too. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but because of the grace that's greater than all of our sin, because of all he did for us at Calvary. So bless us to our hearts. Encourage us in our faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Oh, by the way, Father, they tell us it's going to be some rough weather tonight. And help us to trust you, not to be foolish, but to realize that our hope, the provision of our security, is in the hands of the one who rules the winds, the waves, the storm. And you love us. You will permit nothing to overtake us that is not designed for our good, for our training, strengthen our faith, and to give us platform to be witnesses for you. So bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, at one time we Gentiles were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But God had a bigger promise and a greater covenant. The author of Hebrews is blowing the minds of his Jewish audience with Scripture. Jim's message is, we have this hope. You can have the uncut message on CD for a gift of $7 or more. The series, God's Ultimatum, Volume 1, is available as a CD album. For your generous donation of $66 or more, we'll send you all 19 talks in the study. We'd love to connect with you, whether you're listening to one of our great broadcast stations in New Zealand or Ohio, or anywhere in the world over the internet, please let us know how the message is coming through. If you can give financially, that would be fantastic. And please keep us in your prayers as well. Thanks. You can mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085 USA or call 1 800 984 2313. That's 800 984 2313. And on the internet, navigate to rightstartradio.org. 
There you can listen to Jim's sermons all the way through without breaks. Or you can play the radio shows on demand. The daily podcast will keep the good Bible teaching coming despite whatever disruptions the Christmas season brings. You can make a secure donation online and more at rightstartradio.org. I'm Dan Pope. Thanks for listening. Next time, we'll get to the center of the controversy, as Jim calls it. If there's another high priest, then there's another law, a higher law. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll meet here again for Monday's Right Start. Thank you.